It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Janice Dean podcast. We are full swing into a new year. And if you follow politics, you know, we had some interesting things happening last week with the House of Representatives and Speaker Kevin McCarthy. It took 15 attempts to finally give him the job. And I don't follow how all the sausage gets made in Washington, D.C., but you couldn't help but be, you know, a little bit interested in what was happening and how it would all unfold. Luckily, I work with someone who is really smart and can explain things in a way that's very easy to understand because he used to work in Congress for almost a decade and is now a contributor here at Fox News. My buddy Jason Chaffetz was elected to Congress in 2008 and served until 2017. He was selected by his peers to be chairman of the Oversight and Government Reform Committee, where he led many big investigations. He's also written several New York Times bestsellers, and he tells me he's in the middle of writing another book, which which you will hear all about in the weeks ahead. Jason is also host of the Jason in the House podcast, which I had the pleasure of doing this week. So after he interviewed me, I asked if I could then ask him questions for the Janice Dean podcast. And here we are. The podcast was recorded last week before Kevin McCarthy officially took the gavel. So we started our conversation by talking about what the heck was happening and how Jason saw it all playing out. And then we got to the amazing trajectory of his career, how he got to Fox News, and his love of country and his family. I know you will love our conversation because he's a really neat guy to talk to, and I know we'll have him on the podcast again. Jason Chaffetz is on the Janice Dean podcast. Jason Chaffetz, you made the Dean's list. Uh, Thank you. And you pronounced my name properly. Oh, my gosh. Tell me about that. Did I? Yes. And and that's so, I mean, you got Dean, right? That's easy. <laughs> that's you, Nobody screws that up. Well, so tell me about, how do they say it? Oh, Chaffetz, <laughs> Shafferty's, Chavez. <laughs> I will sit with people and I will say, they'll say, spell your name. And I'll say, C-H-A. And I'll watch them write S. And I'm like. It's just so funny. They just, yes. Oh, well, that's good. I never want to screw up the last name of my guest who's on the DMs Oh, it list. happens all the time. But you I, seem like a nice guy that kind of rolls with the punches. I get used to it. Chaffetz is a very unique name. It is. Where Tell me about the heritage. It, it's actually, you know what, I get away with because I got big eyebrows, dark <laughs> eyebrows, you know, curly hair. I can go anywhere in the world and people think I'm from there. <laughs> You're like a I was in Tunisia. And my wife is laughing so hard, and and because the 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 guy in one of the bazaars said, "Hey, are you from here?" And Julie's just laughing. I'm in Japan, and people are like, "Were you born here?" I'm like, "I don't speak Japanese." And they said, "Well, you look like Tiger Woods," and I'd say, "Tiger Woods, nobody kind of do now that I look at just, it." Just that's that perpetual smile. That's Aww, all there is to it. No, but and I then see that I can do anywhere in that. People say, "Are you Pacific Islander?" And I said, "No, but thank you." <laughs> Um, it's actually, what would you guess? Well, now you've put me on the spot. I maybe don't worry. You're like, going to get it wrong. Some Italian. 
Yeah, well, close. Um, my my wife or my mom, I should say, um, it's more English German. Okay. Um, but my dad's side of the family is like Lithuania, Belarus, ah, Russia. Okay. Kind of Eastern European. Yeah. And I took one of those DNA tests. Yes. And You're and mutt. I told my brother, I said you should take it too, and he's like, no, I just want you to take it because I want to see if what mom and dad are telling us is really true, because <laughs> uh, I'm convinced that there's some some Pacific Islander in you, yeah. and, but I, I there wasn't any, unfortunately. Isn't that crazy. Well, yes. that's kind of nice though. You just like you're like you sink into the background. Well, no, in it's, a good way. Yes, it's funny when we had our daughter. Yeah, I really love the name L. Yes. Like I wanted to name her L. Like yeah. and, and Julie loved that name until we said it out loud, L Chaffetz. And that sounds like some bad Mexican food restaurant what? out in the valley. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, all right, so her name is Ellis, E-L-L-I-S. And but I still call her L. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You had to spell that you out. You have for to me, think literally. that through. And yeah, it's you do. really hard to I've talked about the fact that my husband's last name is Newman and I love the name Paul. And so I wanted to call one of my kids oh, Paul. Iconic. I know, but a lot of people don't. I, I had Carly and Ainsley on the podcast during Christmas and I was like, yeah, so we were going to, I, but Paul Newman, that name is already taken by an icon. And Carly was like, Googling Paul Newman. So I know. Great salad dressing. Good popcorn. Yes. I know. And I really like him too. Um, I think he was, you know, one of the greatest actor philanthropists of all time at any rate. So we're talking about Sorry, I got you off track. It's okay. Let's keep going. That's why we like the podcast though. And Jason interviewed me on his podcast, Jason in the House, right? Yes, yes. That's why I did it because nobody can spell or say Chaffetz, right? It's not that just call me. Imagine when I went, I was first running for office. I had no, nobody knew my name. Nobody could spell my name. And I, I knew it was a problem. So I went to go get Chaffetz.com. It was available. <laughs> Nothing on the internet's available, but I got it. <laughs> but I thought I have to come up with something else because people can't remember Aww. it. And so that's why I just do Jason in the house. That's yeah. like my Twitter, my Instagram. It's my good. Everything. It's yeah. catchy. Uh, we were talking about the fact that you've written several books and you have a new one Can that you you're working that? on. I mean, it's, would you like it? Do you like the process? Um, it's harder than I thought it would be. Yes. I remember when I first sat down with the book publisher and then we looked at the timeline and I said, I can do this faster than that. Come on. There's <laughs> like, how many, what do I need to do? And he's yeah. like, well, it's about 60,000 words. Yeah. And I'm thinking, all right, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And then they said, I said, but I can do that faster. And he said, look. Uh, we do this for a living. This is your first time. You haven't seen our edits. So it's going to take longer than you think it is. Right. I actually really do. It really, um, I, I like speaking. I like, I engage. Mm. I think that's my strong suit yes. for whatever reason. Um, but the written word is different. Yeah. And, um, but I love the process and I'm a policy wonk. You are. Yes. And you so You love that stuff? Oh, I love. I'm How? the one I I'm the one that goes and reads those inspector general reports and oh like Oh my goodness. I kind of geek out that way. It's always been that way. Like, how did you... Okay, so you took me on a journey on your podcast of how I got to where I am today. I mean, did you always have that kind of mind as a kid? Like, you wanted to, like, look under the hood of stuff? Uh, I wasn't, like, an engineer or whatever. I mean, I grew up playing soccer and just, you know, being a kid and all that. Um, 
but as I got older, I, this whole concept of personal responsibility mm. and accountability, yep. and I started to see waste and fraud and abuse, and then I just, it, it makes you mad. Where did you see waste of fraud and abuse? Well, I kept, you know, I grew up in sort of a agnostic household, yes. a, a household that was um, very loving in its nature, but... Um, we weren't really engaged in party politics, okay. but I was involved, engaged more with the Democratic Party. Mm. Um, Where'd you grow up? And uh, so I was born in Northern California, lived in Southern California, moved to Arizona, yep. went graduated high school in Colorado. So we kind of bounced around a yeah. little bit. Okay. Big schools, little school. My graduating class in Granby, Colorado, was forty nine people. Wow. Um, so I had a, an array of experiences, but then you know when you get a job, get married, have kids. Mm -hmm. Then you start to say, okay, yeah, I'm actually a really conservative person. Oh, like wow. I'm a really conservative person. Hmm. Like I believe in self-determination. I do believe in my, we went through a hard thing in our life where, um, we were very prosperous. Yeah. And then later on, after my parents got divorced, my dad had to file for bankruptcy Okay. and I was living with my dad. Yeah. And you go from a palatial house with your own bedroom and bathroom and a great view up in a ski resort, you know, we lived in Winter Park, Colorado, and then you have to move into an apartment and sleep on the floor in the front of your room. Yeah. And it really taught me a hard, hard lesson. And it was, you know what, there is no government bailout here. There's no, mm. we are able-bodied Americans. And I had to work hard. I had a couple jobs and I had to turn over a good part of my paycheck to my dad. Yeah. Um, and when you're a teenager, that's kind of, you know, that's hard. Yeah. And then, um, you know, and my dad had to pull himself back up by his bootstraps. He was a good person. He overextended himself and yeah. he got financially out over his skis, so to speak. And, and I thought, yeah, okay, this is the way you're supposed to be. I mean, America is so great because it's the opportunity to succeed, but it's not the guarantee. Yeah. And there are people that need a safety net in this country. But they're not people that, but I, but it bothered me that I, I started to see so many people taking mm. benefits and, and really I came to realize they're pulling money out of somebody's pocket and giving it to somebody else. Wow. And you go to places like the Utah school for the deaf and blind, an amazing organization taking care of people that have a lot of other problems too, Yeah, that they couldn't get through the day without two caretakers all day. And these angels that come in and help mm -hmm. and assist them, of course we're going to help them, you of know? Course. So I feel like this real compassion for them. But then I see somebody who's kind of freeloading it, you know, yeah. and, it, and then it bothered me. Yep. So when I ultimately ran for Congress, I wrote down four principles. I thought, all right, adhere to the Constitution. But in addition to that, fiscal discipline, yeah. limited government, accountability, and a strong national defense. You do those four things, we're good. And I campaigned on it. Then when I got to Congress, I thought, now, all right, now I got to do that. And this accountability thing really, <laughs> it was like bothering me. Like, how do I do that? Yeah. And so that's where I got involved and engaged in oversight. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I later learned from John Boehner, who ended up being the speaker, but he was our minority leader at the time. I said, I want to be on the oversight committee. It's my number one choice. And he said, Jason, you are the only person in this entire body that put that as their number one choice. <laughs> and I became the chairman of that committee. Yeah. And I think it was only the fifth time I was told in a hundred years that somebody after three terms became a chairman of a, of a committee. Wow. 
And it's because I was focused on it. I was passionate about it. And yeah. now James Comer, who's the incoming chairman, he told me, he said, it's the number one most requested committee we have. You changed the trajectory. I think we did. I think, yeah. we, I think that's one of the things we did is you changed that. You know, so did you love it? Did oh, you love yeah. being in government? Yeah. Well, I, I loved, I was passionate about it, but I ultimately found that the balance in your life gets out of whack. Okay. And that's why at my core, I believe you get in, serve, and then you get out. Okay. Yeah. I think the problem in you, I wish more people had that. Yeah. You know, motto. I, I, I did that, you know, I did eight and a half years. Gowdy did eight years. John Radcliffe did, you know, a few years. There's people that I really like knew and respected Senator Tim Scott, you know, already announced that he's leaving. It's like those people, I, I, I respect those people instead of the ones that just want to stay forever. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> Something's wrong with them. <laughs> But then on the flip side of that, we need more Jason Chaffetz back there because wow. the because you were doing it for the right reasons and you care about people and you want to represent people. And I find that the ones that are doing it for the wrong reasons, there's too many of them there. It's sort of a third, a third, a third and not actual literal numbers. But I'm just telling you, having been in that body, you get about a third of them that really are there for the right reasons. Okay. I mean, they're working hard. They're patriotic. I think of a Cynthia Lummis, the Senator from Wyoming. Yeah. I, I, I think of Brian Mast, who's a Congressman out of Florida. I mean, I could go through and name a lot of people that are really doing it for all the right reasons okay. in the right way that I greatest respect for amazing yeah. Americans. Um, then you have another third <laughs> that they don't have anything else to do in life. Yeah. And they're just kind of checking the box and they've been mm -hmm. there forever. And I could name those people, but I want to be <laughs> You're careful. Too nice. This is the Dean's we'll list, so I'll be careful. And, You'll tell me after we don't have microphones. Oh, yeah. I got a list in my pocket. So, no. And then there's another third that are just there for the power. Of Yeah. And they're there for all the wrong reasons. Right. And those people scare me. Yeah. Well, that's it does because it's like that fruit in the basket. You know, you got a few bad pieces of fruit and that just kind of... <laughs> You, know, you get the fruit flies that yeah, fall them all over the place. Absolutely. That's a good analogy, actually. Well, it's true. Stay right there. We'll have more of this story coming up. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. I mean, if you have, like... I don't want to say cancer because I don't want to say that they're like cancer. Right. But if you have like people who are there for the wrong reasons and all they want is power, it kind of seeps into the the floorboards. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Place and, stinks. Right. Yeah. And that's what's frustrating to me. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to we're going to this podcast won't get played for a couple of weeks. But right now we're looking for a speaker in the house. And does not that frustrate you? Well, I guess what frustrates me is the process in which we select a speaker is totally broken. And I've argued this for years. Mm. Like, and, and I've said this many times, but how we select the next Miss America is more transparent than how wow. we elect the second in line to the speaker, uh, you know, the, the presidency, the next speaker of the house. Holy moly. Why isn't that more open right. and transparent? And why are person is very powerful. And so you go through this process internally, it's just very quick, very closed, almost no debate. 
and then oh that's supposed to be the our our speaker like really like right. well, can we have a debate a discussion uh if people really understood how they select that person well tell me well it's very closed so the election i think there was on november 8th yep less than a week later they are there in washington dc many people haven't even met the the person okay. and there's sort of three paths to the speakership. One is somebody who cuts their teeth on oversight. That's what John Boehner did. Okay. Uh, for all his criticism and faults, yep. he was a muckraker and he went after people. Yep. And, and uh, Respect him for that. Yes. Then there's people who go out and um, they get there because of policy. Think of Newt Gingrich okay. um, is a really good example. Somebody who is very policy driven. Okay. Um, and then you, and Paul Ryan, Paul yes. Ryan was very policy driven. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was the smartest guy in the room and knew the numbers better than anybody else. And that's why everybody gravitated to him. Okay. The third way is we raised the most money <laughs> and that's who Kevin McCarthy is. Right. That's who Nancy Pelosi is. Mm -hmm. They're there because I asked Kevin once, I personally asked him, I said, how is it that you ascended to leadership so quickly? <laughs> and both. The, and he was honest. Uh, yeah, I think he was. And he said, in, in both the California Assembly and in Congress. And he said, well, I learned how to raise $60 million. Oh, my goodness. Well, and at least he's honest about it. Yeah. And so there's this sort of the assumption that, hey, I raised the most money. Right. I'm the leader. No. And, and But so that part bothers me. Bothers me, too. What there should be is an open and transparent debate. And members should go. I mean, I really like with on Fox News. Yeah. They should say, who are the candidates? To become the leader of your party. Do it for Democrats and yes, Republicans. I agree. And then have an actual debate. Yeah. And members should have to go on the record and be able to show this is who I voted for. You and would this have is a, why. A, an entirely different result. Oh my well, how do we make this happen? Well, you can make you're 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 powerful around here. I watch the way people <laughs> take out my power Twitter. to you as you walk through the halls. <laughs> Stop it. But these are the things that fascinate me and in Infuriate me because yes. this. Me too. Me too. Ah. Uh, so, what do you think is going to happen? Read the tea leaves. Well, since this podcast is going to come out <laughs> later, I don't know. Look, if there was an easy path, I. My point is. What are they doing though right now? He, what is happening? He, here's here's how this. If I was being honest about how I would have handled this when we went into the conference. Yep. Conference is when your party gets together in a closed room. It's called HC five. Okay. Um, that's what does the that room. Stand for? That's the new. That's the room number oh. in the bowels of the Capitol HC where the five. where the majority meets. Okay. Okay. That's the meeting room. Wow. Do and you have you like could, a password that you? Oh, there are, there are Capitol Hill police okay. and all kinds of people. Yes. <laughs> okay. You wear a pin and they let you in. Right. Yes. Um, and. Depending on the severity of the discussion that day, you can always tell how much leadership needs you to come their way. Interesting. By how they cater it. Oh, yes. So if you have a little like mixed fruit, it's like not a big deal. <laughs> if they bring in the Chick-fil-A, they're asking for something big. <laughs> I am not kidding. I know you're not. It's, a, it's such a running joke. And so anyway, you get together in that room and then you hash it out. Okay. And that's where everybody can go to the microphone and they can ask a question and they can say things. I think I would have vigorously opposed Kevin. Mm -hmm. I would have said, 
look, he's been in leadership for 14 years. Yeah. I didn't come here to perpetuate the status quo. The election didn't go so well. Exactly. So, um, we're going to need some change. Mm -hmm. But when you have the vote and you lose, yeah. then you lose and you say, all right, now it's a team sport in the house. Right. Then you go to the floor and say, even though I lost, yep. it's the, kind of the way I dealt with Donald Trump. Mm. So originally myself, Trey Gowdy, Tim Scott, Mike Pompeo, a lot of us supported Marco Rubio. Okay. And we were out on the road. We were campaigning for him. Yep. But Marco lost. He yep. dropped out. Right. Then Donald Trump was our nominee. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right. And I withdrew my endorsement when he had that whole Billy Bush thing. Right. But I still voted for him. Right. Because he was far better than Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. That's the way I think they should do it. Like, if you got a problem, hash it out. But if you lose, you yeah, Time that's our nominee. On. And then the question is, do you want the Democrats, Hakeem Jeffries and, and the yeah. Democrats, or do you want the Republican? Right. And I, that's at the point where I think I would have gone to the floor and actually voted for Kevin, even though it wasn't my first choice. Because you're a team player. Well, but I lost. I, I tried. And I can go back to my constituents and say, look, here's how I voted. Yeah. Here's what I did. Here's yes. what I'm tried to do, yep. but I lost. Right. And now the choice is Hakeem Jeffries or Kevin McCarthy. But does somebody else come out of the woodwork? Maybe. I mean, it, it may get to the point. Again, we're, we're foreshadowing, but the threshold is so, it's almost impossible, right? You know, a four seat margin. Um, if five people continue to say no, at some point, you know, this ends when Kevin decides it ends. Oh my, ah, it's so. I didn't mean to rain on your <laughs> on your podcast here. Well, here's here. the thing. It's so funny because a, two, three years ago, I would have never asked these questions at all. <laughs> well, usually it's just a done deal. But that's kind of what bothers me about it. Usually it's just like, right. okay, it's a ceremonial thing. But is it, okay, so it what about be that way. the people that say, well, this is democracy and democracy is messy. Well, we're a constitutional republic. Mm. We're not, not an actual democracy. Yeah. So um, it, it is messy. This is the process. You know, I think I can argue both sides. Mm -hmm. The 20 or so that, at least as we're recording this, are holding out, I can argue their side. Okay. And I'd say, well, the 218 threshold is very difficult. Go talk to the founders. They set it up. Right. Yeah, it wasn't me. I didn't I didn't write the rules. Yes. They made it nearly impossible Ugh. because they do want a candidate who is so. And look, every other speaker did it. Yeah. So it's doable. Right. We weren't there before after John Boehner stepped down. We weren't there before. Yeah. But when Paul Ryan stepped in, we were unanimous. Mm. So there Kevin McCarthy is not the only person that can do that job. Yeah. That's a good point. And I the fact that the Democrats are bringing popcorn and, you know, it's just it's like such a spectacle, Jason. It just makes me sad. On today's day and age, I, there is, a, I think, a, a growing worry. And it's been true for a while that too many members are there and they're worried about their Facebook or Instagram uh, posts yeah. as opposed to actually mm -hmm. doing the work. So what would you say to somebody who wants to get into government? Who wants to do that job? You know, I get a lot of young people say, hey, I want to do what you did. I want to do it. And, you know, my my advice to my own kids as well as others, yeah. don't get into politics until later in life. Okay. You have to, what makes the body work is when you have this array of experiences. Yes. Um, the outside of government. Mm-hmm. 
that then you got something to bring to the table. Okay. And, you know, I was in the local business community for about 16 years yep. and before I even had an inkling. What did you do? So I, I worked for a company called New Skin Enterprises. I worked I, at my last job there. I mean, I was head of marketing and product development for a while. I, I Last job, I was the general manager for Australia and New Zealand. My wow. wife and I went and lived in Sydney. And <gasps> That's it was, fabulous. Oh, it was fun. It was really fun. Um, but then I did marketing, communications. Um, my quick story is my par- my mom was diagnosed with cancer at a very young age. Okay. Um, you know, in her late thirties and she passed away when she was like 50, 51 years oh, old and the highs and lows of that, uh, in many ways I'm grateful for because of the bond and relationship that we had, she had breast cancer. Mm-hmm. I only wish we had the diagnostic tools that we, you know, I wish back then they'd had that the ones yeah. that, cause I think she would have been able to overcome it, but mm-hmm. she didn't. Um, but the Huntsman family in Utah started the Huntsman Cancer Institute. Yes. And that's where I was very, very touched by that. And so they started that the same year my mom passed away. Oh, wow. And so when I saw that John Huntsman Jr. was maybe going to run for governor of Utah, yeah. um, I said, hey, uh, if nothing, can I get a meeting? I, if nothing else, I just want to say thank you for fighting cancer. Oh. So my wife and I went up and met with them. That 10-minute meeting turned into 30, which turned into come back next week. And October 31st of 2003, wow. they offered me a job to be the communications person. Oh. And then about six weeks later, eight weeks later, whatever it was, they offered me the job. Uh, John was driving south on I-15. It was just the two of us. He said, congratulations, you're going to be the you're going to be the new campaign manager. And I said, whoa, time out, John. I've never done this before. And he said, I've never run for governor before. We'll oh figure it out. Oh my gosh, I love this story. And then he won. And then we had a similar conversation. He said, hey, congratulations. You're going to be my chief of staff. And I said, John, there's like 22,000 employees. There's like $14 billion budget. I haven't done that. Yeah. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. I've never been governor before. We'll figure it out. That's how I got to know Abby Huntsman. Of course. Abby was like 16 years old when this is going down. I'm feeling old, but you know. Yeah. Anyway, so I, we're going through it and and that's that's how I got involved. And then after that, I, I saw our congressional delegation and I, I thought, all right, there's somebody I could run against. And I got passionate about it and left. Yeah. Um, and then... A couple of years later, I ran 2008. Now, sort of the front end of the the Tea Party, right? The, yes. that was I was really kind of. There were a few of us there in 2008. T- 2010 was the real wave, but mm-hmm. 2008. I mean, I ran against a 12 year incumbent Republican. Mm-hmm. Wow, ate one of our own to get there. So, <laughs> well, at least I mean, but you're saying that with a nice smile. Well, he's <laughs> the person I beat is actually a very nice gentleman, and uh, you know. That's life. You mm-hmm. once you get in, it's not your seat. Right. It, it's like you should have to have some competition. It makes the world better. Now, did you were you married yet at the oh, time? Oh yeah. Okay, full on, and you had. I've children? been married thirty years. What? I got. I got four. Are you kidding? I got three kids and four grandkids. Wh- okay, I had no idea about the grandkids. Yes, I am Papa. Holy moly! So you like you were fourteen when you got. <laughs> 
Well, I told you I worked for a skincare company That's for a while. So. Um, okay, so how did that work? How was it? Was your wife all in? Like, yeah. I'll help you with this. So my wife, Julie, you can't, I could never have done or accomplished. I mean, she is such an angel. And how'd you meet first? Well, my good friend and married her cousin. Okay. And when I saw her, I thought, oh, this is good. And, uh, but she was dating somebody and I kind of had to wait till she was done with that. Okay. And then he said, Hey, they broke up. <laughs> Call her now. And so that, that happened a long time ago. Okay. She doesn't even remember the first time we met. She remembers everything. She like, it can tell me what I wore on my second date. But back then she was like, not interested, not looking, paying oh, no attention. You had to woo her? Yes. And I did. <laughs> and I'm not turning her back in. That's <laughs> Okay, but I'm fascinated because, you know, you have to have a, a spouse that says that that realizes the commitment to something like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, that's ultimately the hardest thing of the job. Right. When I became the chairman of the committee, you have to take on extra responsibilities. You have to raise a lot of money yeah. uh, for the party. Okay. You have to raise a lot of money for your own campaign. Mm -hmm. And you got to help the other members. At that point, I was only home maybe four days a month. And when you have a wife and kids that you love and adore and they're young and they're in, they're in grade school and high school, yeah, uh, that got to be too much for me. Yeah. You know, and I slept on a cot in my office. I was That's one of I've those heard. office dwellers. Yeah. I did that for eight years. Sean Duffy told me all about it. Oh, yeah. I was one of those. And, um, you know, at some point you got to say, all right, that's... I, you know, and I left early. I left in the middle of my term, which people were very critical of. Yeah. But I thought I'm gonna. I could sit here for the next year and a half and miss the last year and a half of our daughter, youngest daughter, who I missed pretty much everything. Oh. Her, you know, junior and senior year. I yep. could, I could do that. Or, and so I just said, you packed it up. I said, all right, pass the baton. Somebody else can do this. Yeah. And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. And that's another good reason why people maybe should wait later on in life once you've, you know, had your kids and your, you know, your kids are. I mean, I'm not opposed to somebody younger, but you got to find that right balance. Mm -hmm. And it yep. tears up every time there was always somebody who got divorced or just, you know, sad family situations. And yeah. I think that there's a degree of loneliness and sadness that yeah. comes. And so you gravitate to people that, like I said, there are people out there carousing doing yeah. bad stuff. Mm -hmm. But then there are people like, uh, you know, in my time, it was Trey Gowdy, John Radcliffe, um, Tim Scott. Um, there were just some really good people that had sort of the same moral compass mm -hmm. and didn't want to get them, you know, just go out to dinner and mm -hmm. have fun. And we had an amazing class back then. Think about on the oversight committee at Trey Gowdy, Jim Jordan, um, Mark Meadows, Ron DeSantis. Wow. I mean, this was our crew back then. It was, it's pretty amazing to see how we all kind of spread out yeah. and did different things. What do you think of Ron DeSantis? Uh, I love Ron. Yeah. Ron's. He's I, solid. He is really solid. You know, he was a very good member of Congress. You know, Patriot served in the military, JAG officer. He was my subcommittee chairman on national security. Mm -hmm. um, Yale graduate. But then he became governor and he was like a great governor. He was right. a good member of Congress and a great governor. He's yeah. like amazing. And his wife, Casey, is just inspirational. Yeah. 
I mean, I really think he has a legitimate shot of being the next president of the United States. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, maybe I, I hope I was nice enough to him. Uh, well, I look, <laughs> I'm at just teasing, but you know, he, I'm the chairman. He was the subcommittee chairman. Yeah. I mean, we spent a lot of time together. It's good to know that because, you know, we do see him in this role now. And I think it's really important to see how he got there and, you know, what he was like getting there. You know, it's interesting. I engaged in a battle with the IRS commissioner, John Koskinen, and advocated that we impeach him. Remember this whole Lois Lerner thing? And, oh, and yes. The, but the, after the inspector general reports and and uh, non-compliance with duly issued subpoenas. I, I really felt like it was, I mean, I could relitigate that, but here's, I think the important part. A lot of members were supportive. They were concerned. I felt that he was, um, John Koskinen was the wrong person and the recourse in the constitution is to impeach a person like that. Mm -hmm. Impeachment's not just for a president. Right. It's also for Senate confirmed personnel. Okay. And so when it came time to make that case, Ron DeSantis is the one person who would actually stand with me and go before the Judiciary Committee and testify and say, yes, look, I'm an attorney. I've been through this. I've looked at this. And a lot of other members wouldn't do that. Mm. They said good things. They were supportive. But when they had to take the extra, extra step of actually putting their neck out there yeah. and doing something that probably wasn't going to pass, but was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. That's where I think the, my respect for Ron DeSantis went through the roof because he was willing to stand on principle yeah. and fight for something he thought was right, right. knowing that you might lose. Right. And, and a lot of people won't do that. Exactly. A lot of people would just sit there and do nothing. Yeah. Right. But he actually... So if you go back and look at those pictures... Ron and I are the two people that are oh, sitting there at that table, and I'm wow. forever grateful for him doing that. I Who knows if he prevails? I'm just, you know, whether he hangs up his cleats or... But I get the sense that, yeah, he, you know, he's he's got a real shot, and very few people get that shot. Right. And I think, I have to believe he would do it for the right reasons, you know, that he, Look, ser he, he served our country. Yeah. He loves our country. Served and, overseas. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's smart. He's got a great family. He's principle driven. I mean, he kind of checks every box. And look what he did during the pandemic. I mean, yeah. I, I've wanted to sit down with him and talk to him about his decision to actually protect seniors. I right. mean, he yeah. put them yeah. first. He did not put infected patients into nursing homes. Yeah. He actually put them first because he knew what everybody else knew, that seniors were the most vulnerable to COVID. And he yeah. took care of them and he made sure that they were on the front line to get the COVID vaccine. No, regardless of whatever you believe in the vaccine, right. he said, you know what, this is going to help our elderly. If that's the case, then they need to start. They need to get in line first. You know, contrast that to what happened here in New York with our awful no. former governor who put them in harm's way, only thought about himself never put the elderly first. I mean, I commend him for that decision because it was a decision he made and didn't like go with everybody else's uh, thought process or orders or mandates, right? right? right. That takes a real leader to do that. Well, I, I got to tell you, as somebody who is watching from afar, a lot of us are very grateful for your oh. tenacity in pointing it out and, mm -hmm. and not just mentioning it, but actually fighting it. 
because a lot of people wouldn't realize and know it if not for you. Wow. So I, I'm not, I, look, we're friends. We've got to know each other here at Fox, but I, I'm, I'm serious about that. I'm very, very grateful. A lot of people are, and I think there are people all across the country that you had this platform, but you used it and you exposed it and it was wrong. It was just wrong at its core. Yeah. I do hope that there is accountability. And I think that's where my frustration lies because I, I want, I want there to be good work done in Congress. And part of that is knowing the origins of COVID-19 and having an after action review so that this stuff never happens again. We have to do that. If we just look the other way and pretend it never happened, then we have a big problem on our hands. That's what differentiates the United States of America from everybody else. We are self-critical. We do go back and look at these things. We do expose the truth and we learn from it. Yeah. Sometimes things went well, but a lot of times they didn't. They didn't. And 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 people were acting inappropriately and they should be held accountable. Yeah. And and some people are just innocently enough, like I didn't know. That's how you make that's progress. But mm. we're different. Our our form of government, I remember once uh I behind closed doors because it was classified. Um, it was about the Benghazi situation mm-hmm. and we had the chairman of the joint chiefs and I got to sit in this meeting and I found myself maybe a little too passionately. I was really grilling him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was pounding on this. I mean, y- you have no idea how, how aggressive I was being. And I sat back after that and I thought, was I too hard? And I thought, no, he, he, he could handle it. He's the chairman of the joint chiefs. Um, but I thought only in America could I do that. Wow. You know, you, you can talk truth to power right. like that in most countries. Right. Now, only in just, America because can the meteorologist I'm, on Fox News call out the governor of New York? Exactly. And I'm just a representative from Utah and I'm telling them, how come I know more about this than you do? Wow. You know, things like that. And, and I thought, wow, and, and I hopefully won't get my head lopped off. <laughs> I'm still here. So. <laughs> But it, it is. I am grateful for, you know, free speech and being able to do that, to, to criticize our government and the response. Well, and you were right. That's the thing. It's just, unfortunately, Well, there's right. being right, and then there's trying to find out why. You know, like, yeah. I feel like that's that's something that I'm still going to be passionate about. And, okay, so the skincare stuff, I have to ask a little bit about that. Like, I could seriously sit here and just chat about all of this for hours. But... Like, okay, so is was this skincare stuff really good? Yeah, like I like yes. <laughs> I I my wife and I've used it for since well, for like thirty years. How did yeah. you find them? How did they find you? Uh, I honestly this this New Skin Enterprises, which is a New York stock exchange traded uh, you know, direct selling company. Yeah. They were growing rapidly and they put out an ad in like Time Magazine. Yeah. And that they, and my dad said, Hey, they're in Provo. You live in Provo, Mm -hmm. Utah. So I was going to school. Yeah. You should go talk to them. Sounds like they're moving up fast. Yeah. And so I did. And I called them and I said, Hey, my name's Jason. And and I don't know if you, (laughs) Because I was like a junior in college and I needed a summer job. Now, I was a place kicker on the BYU football team. Yes. And so I needed a flexible job because I needed to work out and get ready for the season. Yeah. But I needed to make some money because I had to make my own money, right? And um, 
I was offered an internship and then mm. I, I did it and they were, they loved the BYU for, they were big football fans. Yeah. And so they did said, they, yeah. Did your, did your football, uh, co- uh, teammates, did they make fun of you for working? Oh, ever since then I've been made, are you getting <laughs> Trey Gowdy's the worst offender? Yes. <laughs> So I remember, I remember I was in the judiciary committee. I'm not an attorney, but I'm on the judiciary committee. I was the token (laughs) non-attorney and I am grilling somebody and I'm trying to use some legal terms. And afterwards, Trey Gowdy leans over and says, you know, you sold skincare. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yes, that happened. Like. Oh, relentlessly, yes. But it was a good job and a great company. And the people who the people who founded it and are just gem. They're still like some of our closest friends. They just such and offered so. They were growing so fast mm-hmm. that I was, I don't know, twenty five years old, yeah. supervising hundreds of people, taking on a senior, almost. I would say probably more than half the people were older than I was. Wow, and that. That was interesting, but I had experience there and I knew what we were doing anyway. So it's rare. It was very grateful because I got an array of experiences and then the Australia, New Zealand experience. That's that was, amazing. That was fun. And your skin looks great. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, listen, to be continued, because I feel like there are many more questions and I know that you have to go and do a TV appearance, but I appreciate this so much. And you are truly a really good human being, which I appreciate, appreciate around here. Most people are that work at Fox are good humans, but, um, but, uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know you and to be continued. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Jason, for such a fun interview on the Janice Dean podcast. Don't forget to catch me on his podcast this week, talking about my new book, I am the storm, which comes out January 17th, and you will hear more about it in the next few days. I can't wait to tell you more. So stay tuned. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram, or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.